Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to Hey, that's pretty damn good. 116 to 109. The Raptors defeat the Houston Rockets. They are now 7-5 and five on the season. 2-1 and one without Pascal Siakam. Very impressive. And in a game, actually, where they lose Precious Achua, who did sprain his right ankle. Uh, there's no more info on it as of yet. We just know that he sprained his right ankle and was not able to return. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Samson Folk. And is of course brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And shout out to Goldfinger Law, where you only pay if you win. And you can contact them at 416-730-1777. This game is told through three stars, I think. Of course, there's everything is done piecemeal in the NBA. It's never just one guy. It's never just three guys, truthfully. But when we look at how effective Otto Porter Jr. was off the bench... Even Thaddeus Young to some degree because he was able to settle the offense. They ran a lot of stuff through him that allowed Fred to work off ball. But the the two biggest motivators, I would say, was Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. Fred Van Vliet, mostly because of his pull-up shot making, that was massive in this game. The catch-and-shoot stuff was, of course, good too. But his defense as well, an absolute pest at the point of attack. It took him a little while to get into the swing of things. But once he was there, especially in that third quarter, he was there. And OG Ananobi, a guy who it never takes him any time to get into the swing of things. He has been swinging, I would say. Uh, Fred, a guy who may challenge for an all-defense spot, has been doing so for a couple of years now, never getting the nod. OG, it looks like, will not only challenge for an all-defense spot, but will challenge for Defensive Player of the Year. He's been that good uh the piece i'm writing if you go to raptorsrepublic.com tomorrow or if you're listening to this the day after uh will be on how fred and og don't let other teams dribble and what a tremendous uh exercise in defense that is but 116 to 109 the raptors they struggled during some parts in this game the half court offense had its lulls the defense had its mistakes uh you know especially to start the game everybody was prone to them a lot of good shots were allowed to the houston rockets Luckily for the Raptors, even as they were still allowing some of those good shots, the shooting ran out a little bit for the Rockets. And then from there, the Raptors in the second half, especially were able to batten down the hatches. I think I muffed that one up last podcast. I didn't say it properly. Batten down the hatches is definitely what it is. They were able to batten down the hatches. And uh, yeah, a really uh, not overly impressive win because it's the Rockets. This is they're what one and eleven now, one and ten. This is one of the worst teams in the NBA. But you're without Pascal Siakam, and Pascal is an MVP level player. That's that's who left the lineup, and the Raptors are dealing with you know a team that is trying to find not their identity, 
because they know what they want to do. They know how they want to play, but they're trying to find how to imprint that on every single team that walks into their building or, or vice versa. It's tough to control pace or style to dictate that every game in and out. But the Raptors in this game found enough of it for long enough stretches that they ended up winning. Okay. So let's talk Helio Fred, at least a little bit. Uh, Helio is in, uh, it's like a, a term for revolving around the sun. And uh, so in this way, it's kind of been adopted by basketball people. They say like a Helio offense or heliocentric offense is one that revolves around one player. And Fred Van Vliet made everything go for the Raptors in this one. Even when it was Thad Young and they were throwing in, you know, operating off the elbow for him, running some split actions or as Lewis illuminated me to some of this, these shake actions and stuff like that. It's nice to see that Fred can work off ball, but there's still the main motivator of them succeeding on these plays is either Fred's gravity or his shot making. And of course, those are intertwined. And early on in the game, it actually wasn't that much shot making, but it was kind of getting downhill a little bit, spraying the ball out and OG Ananobi cashing three of his four triples in this game in the uh, in the first quarter and doing it very quickly. That was what mostly helped the Raptors keep pace with the Rockets in this one because the Rockets, for what it's worth, against Coloco, uh, some of those screening actions, they were getting downhill often enough. Shangun was getting post touches, either you know mid-post, elbow area, and he was getting low enough against Coloco to cause problems. Coloco, he, he played his minutes in this one. He, got, he racked up five fouls pretty quickly, left the game and didn't come back in in the second half, I believe. And uh, he had a tough time in this game. And that's that's not such a bad thing. I mean, quite a few of the bigs had a tough time in this game. Chris Boucher wasn't as good as he usually is. Precious Hachua, despite before, you know, spraining his ankle and sprinkling in quite a few plays that other guys on the roster can't make, also had turnovers that were, you just can't have those turnovers. Like he gets an offensive rebound and tries to shovel out to the perimeter. It gets stolen, something like that. Uh, he gets to about you know, 11 to nine feet. And you can see he's kind of contemplating, do I go for the push shot? And he hit the yes button on that probably too many times tonight, stuff like that. But he also had quite a few really impressive defensive plays, especially in that third quarter. And the Raptors, despite having a bad end to their zone possessions, when after Precious got injured, he at the bottom of their zone was actually made it tenable. He was quite good at the bottom of the zone in that third quarter. So it was a mixed bag for a lot of the guys. And, you know, Coloco didn't have a good game for his relative to what people might expect. Precious didn't either. Hopefully he comes back soon. Uh, Chris Boucher, not his best game. Thad, quite good. It was a very muted game. Like Thad, was it two for seven from the field? Sorry, that's Delano. 0 for three. Yeah, what? yeah, I was thinking Thad didn't make any shots. 0 for three from the field for Thad. However, <laughs> he had two assists. I can't imagine how many of those assists, if you were kind of crediting, like who helped the play develop uh, when he was on ball, that helped a lot. So yeah, that was nice to see. And that was really towards the back end of the game that he helped that out. But the Raptors, how they got back into this one, as I said, you know, battening down the hatches defensively naturally, but also getting some missed shots that were helpful and then kind of emboldening their response Coloco not playing as much anymore allowed them to be a little bit more aggressive at the point of attack. And what I mean by that is Coloco, 
he's not often switching. He's not often doing hedge and recover. And with guys like Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green, if you try and just stick those guys straight up or allow them to get downhill and to drop with a guy who's, you know, Shangoon, maybe rolling to the basket or whatever, Jabari Smith popping out, it just creates these man advantages that the Raptors had a tough time with. And there were a lot of breakdowns from that point. And some of that is also on the uh, on the point of attack defense too. OG, for what it's worth, not just a shooter in this game, he had 10 shots, quite a few of them operating off of that uh, pump and go uh, or shoot it, that that dichotomy, right? Uh, we're looking at a guy who's in this game mostly oper- operating between two things that he wanted to do with a, a little bit of creation peppered in. And of course, he's always able to we don't typically consider this creation because it's not half court, but he had three steals again. They ran out on, I think, every single one of them and scored. It's really meaningful when, because OG is getting those steals. It always seems like he's coming up court with the ball. He's always jump starting transition. And whether he's taking it all the way there by himself, because he can take like that, that strip attempt in the half court, a lot of time it works. But in, in I think on the fast break, when he has the handle, He's been pretty good at shielding the ball and then finishing two long steps and finishing up top and stuff like that. Um, it, it's just so nice to see that his defense leads to offense. That's a form of creation. It's not something that when you go down to the half court, you get to toss the ball to OG and say, give us something, give us a bucket. But it is a form of creation that he's bringing. That's Those are unassisted baskets, if you know what I mean. And it was just really nice to see OG, that, that pump and go stuff is so effective. That's what... You know, you, you go on to RaptorsRepublic.com tomorrow. That's what Lewis Atzman's piece is going to be about, OG and Nobi and driving. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It'll be illuminating, I'm sure. But it was just really nice to see OG capture so much of what makes him valuable offensively. Of course, when things bog down, you want to rely on a little bit of that creation. And he's been fledgling in, in some areas of creation. I know a lot of people, the isolations are a sticking point. They don't want to see and fair enough because he's been quite bad at isolating and he wasn't good at it in this game. He had a couple possessions that didn't go well, but he's clearly allowed and being given some room to stretch his legs to try things out. And whether it's a second side pick and roll or coming off a dribble handoff, these in motion things, I think it's been pretty good. And so him putting up 27 on 20 shots and playing, you know, defensive player of the year caliber defense. It's just so good. Uh, these are these are star performances. He's been so damn good this year, and, and tonight was just another level of that. It's just a guy who's so tremendous and finding his way to get his own offense with his defense, being really good at moving off ball and, and waiting to form up off of these drives and putting himself in a position where you hit the shots early, you get the closeouts late, you get downhill all game, all that kind of stuff. It was just great to watch OG work in this one. And Fred as well, helping carry the offensive load in this game. That was tremendous to see. As I said, Thad popping in on that one. Scotty and Gary. Scotty, I really like some of those possessions where it's getting the catch and turning really quickly. You know, it's like he catches with his left. He's on the, I guess the technically the right block, right? And he catches and he turns over that inside shoulder on these smaller players or maybe a similarly sized player. And his steps are so long, like the one time he cleared all the way to the opposite side of the basket, finished with an uncontested left-handed layup. Beautiful. Sometimes he's getting to about four feet, turning, facing a contest where a guy's right there, but Scotty's long. 
he's comfortable with contact. He's trying to, you know, do the Statue of Liberty over guys, not not a dunk necessarily, but a touch shot. Those don't always go in, but it's uh, definitely a reputable, um, worthwhile attempt at self-creation. I love when he takes those shots. It's much better than when he kind of faces up and gets into all these dribble combos, which just because I don't particularly like it and it's not efficient currently doesn't mean it's not worthwhile for him to get those reps in, by the way. He's he's had some success with it this year, but that was really nice to see. I, I think that uh, we can continue to expect interesting developments for Scotty offensively. It's impossible to tell where he's going to step to next as far as what developments he makes. He's he's kind of, you know, dipping his toes in a lot of areas. We'll see which one pops off, if any. If he's a, you know, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. If he's going to be a master of three, four, whatever. And the five assists tonight were quite good, too. It's just he sees the floor in a special way. And while he's not able to create advantage as much as he would like, as much as the team would currently like, based on how many possessions they're giving him to do so, uh, he's still getting some possessions where he sees a pass or makes a read that other people just can't make. And that's really, really tremendous uh, for Scotty. So a quieter game, uh, defensively a pretty poor game for Scotty as well. Um, bit off more than he could chew at the point of attack quite often, I think. And uh, there were a few times where he's the, you know, he's the low guy in these two-man actions in the pick and roll stuff. He's guarding the handler. He has to be at the level of the screen or or maybe even hedging, but He's just not competitive, putting a body on the guys trying to turn the corner or pressing them at the rim. They're they're getting to where they want. He he, I thought had a good defensive start to this season. The past few games has been ho hum. That probably has to do with a little bit of a changed role with with Pascal out. Scotty's being asked to do a little bit more. Uh, you see it in this defense how much Pascal is asked to do, and uh, it's it's tough to replicate that. And Scotty doesn't have the court coverage or awareness to really weaponize his athleticism and his length at the level that Pascal does yet. And he's, uh, he's not as quick um, sticking with guards either, but it's uh it's something that's developing. It's something worth paying attention to, but I leave this game after watching Scotty not higher or lower on him, but just looking at a guy working on his craft. And, and that's how I feel about him after this one, for sure. Gary with another multi-assist game, something interesting to track in this I'll certainly write a piece about it and kind of what types of passes he's making because he doesn't pass very often. That's not really Gary's mo. When when the ball reaches his hands, typically it's gonna it's gonna stay there. He's gonna try because he's like that's the thing, right? The ball comes to Gary. If you're as good a shooter as Gary Trent Jr. is, especially off the dribble, contested too, right? How is a guy ever gonna make you feel like you can't get your shot off? Or that they're going to put you in a situation where you feel like you can't make the shot you're about to take. Precious Achua, a guy like Precious is a guy who wants so much for his offense. We know this much. But if Precious is at 17 feet and he's got like 18 seconds on the shot clock and he's dribbling to his left, is he going to like step back to 19 and try and shoot a mid-range jumper? I haven't seen one of those this year from him. We've seen quite a few from Gary and that's because Gary knows like, hey, I can make these sometimes. Um, A quiet game for Gary. But it was cool to see that, back to the passes part of it, that he's being a little bit more deliberate with some of his playmaking. He's using his his gravity as a shooter to pull guys a little bit and recognizing what that means for him as a passer, what it means for the lanes that open up for his teammates. A bit more heady in that area is really appreciated from Gary Trent Jr. And he even got to the rim a couple times in this game. And 
That's really, really nice to see. He he had tough shots in this one. Nothing really came easy. He didn't end up being the swing guy, that side-top side action that gets the ball to the other side of the court, the, the kick out for three. He wasn't really the guy sitting at the end of those plays, the beneficiary. He wasn't the dude. And he was used to being the dude when Pascal was on the floor. He was getting so many of those looks. It's changed, and he's doing his best to thrive within it. Uh, I come away from this game thinking Gary stayed within himself, didn't overextend. And when you can make passes, it, it just makes Gary way more dangerous. If if the shooting and the passing coalesce and he he's finding, you know, play by play, he's making the right decisions more often, like not letting a pass go to the wayside in, in, in pursuit of shooting a difficult jump shot and uh, not, not trying to sneak a pass in there. That's, that's too difficult when he has something open for him as a shooter. Like once he masters that, cause he, he's capable of making the, the reads he makes are rudimentary. They're ones he should make and ones he's learning to make. And he has the capability to throw those types of passes uh, when they're there. He's, he's got to make them and we're seeing a development an acknowledgement of his teammates when they're in open space that he's making. That's good. Okay, Otto Porter Jr., you brilliant, brilliant man. People, uh, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast also listen to my stuff over the summer when they signed uh, Otto Porter Jr. I did a deep dive, I did a breakdown and all that kind of stuff. And one of the biggest things about Otto Porter Jr. isn't just that shooting, it's that he's a heady um, rotational defender very much so, but he's also, over the past decade since he's come into the league, one of the most impressive rebounding wings. And for a guy who sometimes it looks, it, he doesn't move that well sometimes. We're seeing a guy like Sky to the just jump up and grab these contested boards. And maybe he's doing the early work. Like he's, he's getting that stiff arm on a guy's hip. So they go up and they feel that restriction and then he's boom. And then he jumps and gets it like that. That you know, sneaky veteran stuff to get the balls, but but sometimes you know it's it's about positioning, it's about that sneaky stuff, it's about getting to a ball with preparation, not just the leap. But he's been able to, man, he's really been able to help out on the glass. That was something I was really excited for because the Raptors need that, and the fact that they can pair that with a guy who shoots, a guy who defends well, and a guy who's moving well. Like he had such a good cut off the forty-five when Precious was driving in transition. And they got in for a layup. And it's a really nice job of coalescing a lot of the traits that the Raptors really do like having and putting it into a wing with with a jumper. And he went two for five from three in this one. That's gravy. You know, he doesn't he didn't have to do anything this game, as far as I'm concerned. That the 14 points, yeah, uh, like one steal, uh, I guess six boards, that moves the needle boy howdy does it ever move the needle that's really really impressive work from Otto Porter Jr. so I I would I would just left really really impressed with him Delano uh I just tough game for sure to some degree the defense was hit and miss the offense we're waiting on the guy he's he's repping it out there and no doubt repping it in practice no doubt repping it whenever he can is that he's trying to get that jumper going we know this much about him. He's not afraid to let it fly when the ball comes into his hands and you can tell teams are like, if you don't shoot this, your team is in trouble. And when when defenses play defense on you like that, when they sag that hard, you just have to put it up. And in this game, not really, not really hitting, but 
he, he's working his way to it. He's he's a he's a clever player offensively. If he gets that jumper going, it's going to unlock a lot of his reads and a lot of his, a lot of the other aspects of his game. And uh, I think it's so easy to tell the way he attacks the rim, his touch, finishing, pretty special. He everything he throws up there threatens to fall in. Truly, it, it does. But yeah, at the at the end of this game, you can just sit back and kind of marvel at OG and, and Fred in particular and say, wow, these guys really made it happen. They took over stretches of this game. It's really hard to lock down a perimeter defense with two guys, but they managed to do it. It was really impressive stuff. Like the the mix of ball pressure and and off-ball digs and gapping guys and just being able to get in the mixer and always be able to disrupt how you find that balance where you're constantly applying that and you're not giving up anything, it's so impressive. That's so difficult to do as a player. And usually you need five guys to do it. But, you know, the Raptors defense, the five guys on a string thing was not happening tonight. But OG and Fred just found this incredibly important two guys on a string thing that they had going, especially in that third quarter where... It just, they took over the game. They changed the complexion of the game and prepared the Raptors to be able to sustain a run and, and get some rest, like build up that lead playing this type of way so that you can rest more and, and close out the game. And they, boy, they did it all, man. They were, they were fantastic in this game. I loved that performance. Uh, the Reggie Evans Award, I'm going to have to give it to Otto Porter Jr. Big shout out to Otto Porter Jr. This was my favorite, like that game against the Spurs, I quite liked. But uh, also, this is this is my favorite performance of his so far. Uh, he was he was great. So big shout out to Otto Porter Jr. The top quick reaction comment is loading discus, please. Thank you. Okay, <clears throat> from B Herbs, we've got a lot going on here. So let me. This is a large paragraph. <clears throat> Quote: I'll just leave this on my way out. There doesn't have to be some grand conspiracy. It's not the ankle bracket. I'm sure it's tender, but he wouldn't be playing on it if it was genu- genuinely hurt. We all know this org errs heavily on the side of caution uh, bracket. It's not some perceived beef with Nick or de- dejection because he plays with ball hogs. It's not a girl or Twitch or anything else. It's the wall. They all hit it. The good ones come out far better on the other side. Scotty isn't a good one. He's a great one. This is all part of the journey with young players. Don't make it out to be more than it is or has to be and just cheer for the guy. He'll be back sooner than later. End quote. Scotty dialogue. Are people low on Scotty? I, 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 would, I would not expect. B-Herbs has always been quite a, um, a good commenter. Great comment etiquette. Just talking ball as far as I have seen B-Herbs. I like B-Herbs. I haven't seen anything bad. I don't think he'd make up. So I guess people are downing Scotty. Um, this is like, yeah, this is a fan base thing. A lot of people in the fan base sold Fred up the river a few days ago. You know, uh, I <laughs> I had many people really questioning my analysis last year when I was telling people like about Pascal and saying the process is ahead of results right now. It will come. And it did. And the people who wanted to, you know, sell Pascal for loose change and move on from him. And the people who said Pascal was infringing upon Scotty's like this. That's yeah. Fans, man, because what else are you going to be besides like emotional and irrational at times? And it's uh, it's fun to like go over the edge and have big reactions. And I think that's that's part of it. 
but uh, it's also be herbs like words of wisdom here. You know, as, as you've heard on this podcast many times is, you know, progression isn't linear. It looks different. Scotty, as I said earlier in this very episode, he's working on some things. And uh, while progression isn't necessarily happening, the groundwork for things that come in the future is being laid right now, too. He's struggling as a primary. It's tough to be a primary in the NBA. And uh, that's certainly OK. Scotty, as B. Herb says, he's a great one. I, I have no worries about Scotty's future. He's going to be a star. That's how I feel. B. Herbs, thanks for writing in. Uh, yeah. Thanks for hanging around, Raptors Republic. Thanks for listening in or watching, whichever it is, listener, viewer. Uh, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to YouTube and like the video. That's what you're supposed to do. Go to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe to the website. And if you're listening on the podcast, just thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah. Hope you enjoyed it. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.